Swang Hyu Cho was a shy but smart child, but when that child grew into an adult, would he be able to turn this into something positive or drastically negative? sentenced i'm caitlin and i'm kara hi how are you today i'm good how are you good i it's hump day so i'm halfway through my work week which is very exciting because um i hate work but it's a story <laughs> of my life at this point it's the right attitude i mean i've been doing the same not the same company but like the same thing for like eight years and it's exhausting That's a long time it is yeah. a long time and it's just, I don't know. My headphones are backwards. Hold on. No, they nope. weren't. <laughs> nope, they're not. I was like, I was like looking at you and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're mirrored me. And I was like, that's your left ear. And that's the left side that this goes on. Oh, well, we are off to a great start. She's a genius, everybody. She's beauty and she's grace. She's Miss United States. Um, anyway, do you have any life updates for us? No, I don't think I have any life updates. I mean, this is exciting. This is being recorded for the YouTube channel, so I'm excited to get that platform started and for everyone to be able to put a face to the name slash voice if, in case they don't follow us on our platforms or anything like that. If everything works out correctly, like, we're 99% sure we can get this figured out and get this on YouTube for y'all, but if not, sorry. Um, but we really want you guys to be able to see us. And then that's the thing with the Patreon, too, is that we want it to be interactive with you guys. Like, we want you to be able to see us. We want to have live chats. Like, we don't just want to be the voices behind the microphones and, like, coming through your ear canals probably sometimes too loud but um yeah definitely sometimes too loud because I definitely don't think we laugh we definitely um what's it called not chuckle what's the other word that I'm thinking of um like when you're laughing so hysterically that you can't breathe like just really loud like bellowing laughter what is that called loud laugh synonym (laughs) (laughs) uh howling i don't think that's what you meant i don't think that is either why can't i think of it i i hate english like a guffaw that is not what i meant but apparently that is a word (laughs) um well you guys know what we mean when you do that, like, really embarrassing laugh, and then you're like, oh, that was a little aggressive. Yeah, where it's not kind of shriek, but I guess it is kind of howling, like... Like cackle? Thank you. I think that's the word. Yeah, I think that's what you... I was like, witches, like, witches make yeah, this yeah, sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're not laughing in your ears, we're cackling. We're just, like, so freaking loud just coming through your speakers. Sorry. Totally. Sorry, headphone listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, can we address your sweater? 
Yeah. I'd love to. I freaking love pickles. And I just saw an Instagram reel about a pickle festival that I really want to go to. That's amazing. I love pickles too. This is my favorite brand right here. Are those Clausen's? Yeah, Yeah. those ones are really good. Clausen's are the best. I was, so I was, I'm trying to think about, sorry, let me move my chair. I was trying to think about things to do for like a bachelorette party. And since I don't drink, like we're not going to go wine tasting or anything like that. But I'm like, is there pickle tasting? Bro, if there's pickle tasting, I'm so down. Let's do that for my bachelorette if there is. I want to say yes, um, because pickles are amazing. I just, I love a good pickle. I love a good diner pickle is the best way to explain it. Like the pickle they put on your plate when they send you like your club sandwich or something. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Yeah. That's why Clausen I like the most is because it's so similar to that, Mm -hmm. but it's not exactly the same. I want, I want those diner pickles so bad. Yeah. Totally. I don't know. Restaurant pickles are always the best. It's like fountain soda. It's way better than like a can or Yeah, I don't know if it's like it sits out all day so it like tastes better or what, but it's so good. It's just extremely (laughs) expired. Yeah, that's the key to a good pickle. You just got to let it expire three years ago, sit it in the back shelf, and then find it. It's like a pickled pickle. Ew. (laughs) I want to take up pickling so bad. There's an episode of Bob's Burgers, which I don't know if I've ever discussed that on this podcast, but... Bob's Burgers is my favorite show. Um, I literally have all five of the Belchers, like, up here, like, the Fungal Pops. But, anyway, there's this episode of Bob's Burgers where Bob and Linda get, like, all these vegetables and fruits from um, a farmer's market. But they're mm-hmm. all the ugly fruits and vegetables that nobody wants. And so, nobody wants to eat them as is, so they start pickling them. And I'm like, I want a pickle so bad. Like, I just want to... That would be really fun. I would be down to do... I would be down to do that for a weekend. Well, like, Robert loves pickled stuff. Like, pickled asparagus, pickled all... Like, olives, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the one? Oh, artichoke. Was it artichokes? Is it the like artichokes? artichoke hearts? Yeah, or um, okra. And then, oh, pickled mm-hmm. green beans. He really liked those, too. Yum. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to pickle something. Pickled jalapenos are good. I don't like jalapenos. I do. Jalapenos is what they're called. Jalapenos, yeah. Did we talk about that? How I used to say that when I worked at Subway? No, I don't think so. (laughs) That's so great. When I worked at Subway, (laughs) I did it for like four months. I was really good at it. I was the best sandwich artist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I would intentionally call them jalapenos to confuse people. And the look they would give me, I'm like, jalapenos. I know how to say it. I'm just messing with you. But, like, also the wax peppers, people would get really confused because I would call them either wax peppers, banana peppers, or pepperoncinis. And if they didn't call them... Those are all correct. But, like, if, like, people are just so irritating because they call them wax peppers. So if they didn't call them wax peppers and you called it a pepperoncini, they're going to think it's something different. They would be like, no, thank you. I would like the wax peppers, though. And I'm like, mm, that's what should have I been just like, asked. Yeah. I'm like, do you want the yellow peppers right here, like, pointing to them? Is that what I need to do from now on? Yeah. Anyway. Because people are stupid. But yeah, pickles are great. I love a pickles good pickle. Pickles are superb. I'm coming from your for your pickle. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok. I'm so glad I don't actually have TikTok on my phone. But the reels on Instagram have ruined my life. I know. It's so, it's so hard. Social media, man, it's the worst. Like, it's, 
everything I reference is either a Vine, a TikTok, or a song. Yeah. Or a TV show. Like, that's all all my references are anymore. Mm, lots of Family Guy. <sighs> yeah. Lots of Family Guy. And, like, for some reason on Instagram, all the Family Guy clips have showed up now. Which I'm like, I don't even remember liking anything from Family Guy on here. But then also people have been using South Park clips lately, too. Which I'm like, hmm. I find interesting because some of them are super racist. So I'm like, do you even know what this is about? Yeah, it seems like a weird time to throw South Park into the mix. Yeah, I'm like, I thought everybody was too woke for South Park, but okay. Yeah. Well. I'm not mad about it. I like South Park, so. Yeah, South Park is funny. Butters is my favorite character. I just think he's hilarious. And then Robert and I just recently got back into Pokemon Go, so we've been, like, extra nerding it up lately. Nice. We've been watching The Office, which I know you don't like, but... It's just so stupid. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's just something about Dwight that I don't like. And Michael I feel Scott. like you have to, like, watch all of the seasons to really appreciate it. Okay, I'm so tired of people telling me that I... Oh, you just have to get for the... Like, skip the first season. Just start with the second one. No, if I have to skip a season of a show, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, Because I'm still going to be left behind. Like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But, yeah. I think you have to still watch the first season, but watch it. I mean, there are good episodes in the first season. It is just a lot more cringy. Yeah, but that's kind of, it's kind of how I feel about, like, Friends, too, where, like, I don't like uncomfortable humor, like, that makes you feel embarrassed, and I feel like that's what those shows, shows do a lot of. Mm. Like, I just feel uncomfortable, and then I cringe, and then I'm like, I can't physically watch the show anymore. Yeah, see, Friends is, like, my all-time favorite show. It's my sister's favorite, too. Like, I just tolerate it because she loves it, but... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, again, my favorite show is literally a cartoon, so who am I to say what comedy is? (laughs) (sighs) Well, we've uh, chit-chatted for a few minutes now, so we might as well get into the episode. I forgot what we were here doing. (laughs) I was like, what do we do here? Is this our job? (laughs) What do we do? (laughs) Uh, No, it is not our job. Well, I kind of wish it were. Yeah. Subscribe to our Patreon. This can be our full-time job. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I do want to give a disclaimer before this episode because it is not your normal episode. We are talking about a um, a mass shooter. Um. So it is, it's very dark. There are a lot of victims. Um, I just wanted to give us something different today and something that I feel like with the current nature of our country is very important to address. Um, even though this has been going on for decades now, um, it's still, it's important to talk about. It's important to get out there. And it's one that I know I've heard the name of before, but I never looked into it. Like, Hmm. Columbine, like, you know what that is. People say Columbine, you instantly know those two jackasses that shot up Columbine. Right. But, like, this is, so we're going to talk about the Virginia Tech shooting today. Okay. I've heard that before. I know I've heard it. But I've never heard the shooter's name. And then, again, we have victims that you don't ever get to hear about because it was such a mass thing that happened that, unfortunately, they just kind of get brushed under the rug. All right, we're going to get into it. And I'm going to butcher the shit out of his name. I apologize in advance. There's a lot of names in this that, even looking at the pronunciation, I'm still going to struggle. So 
Here we go. Okay. Swing Hoi Cho, who I will be referring to as Cho for the rest of this episode, was born January 18th, 1984. So unfortunately, Capricorn, like me. Um, but he was born like two weeks later, so I don't share the exact same energy as him, which is a good thing. Good. But he was born in South Korea to Sung Tai and Hyung M Chow, or Cho, sorry. Cho had one sister, Soon Kyung, who was a few years older. When he was eight years old, he and his family moved from South Korea initially to Detroit, Michigan, before settling in Centerville, Virginia, about 25 miles from Washington, D.C. Once settled, his parents would open and run a dry cleaning business. Cho was known to be a shy child that liked basketball and was very good at math. Cho's great aunt, Kim Yang Soon, would describe him as cold and was a cause of family concern, even at just eight years old. Hmm. Yeah, so it's always, like, heartbreaking when you hear that, like, a child who's that young is already, like, concerning the family mm-hmm. in one way or the other. Um, Do we know what kind of behaviors he was exhibiting? He was just very, very shy and, like, rarely spoke. Okay. Like, he just, he wasn't mute, and they never had him tested officially for anything, um, but he was just a very, very shy, like, painfully shy. Like, it was basically torture getting him to speak publicly or to, like, talk to people, even, mm-hmm. like, friends and family. Like, he was just, like, really closed off. Sure. During a phone call on New Year's Day, Cho's mother would tell his great aunt that she thought he might have autism, but no testing or diagnosis was ever made. Cho would attend Poplar Tree Elementary School in Chantley. It was alleged that even in elementary school, Cho was being bullied by other children, including those at his church, especially the wealthier children. However, his parents worked six days a week and were able to move their family into an upper-middle-class neighborhood. So there's a running theme throughout his entire life about, like, the rich kids, But Mm -hmm. from all accounts, they lived in a good neighborhood. Okay. They weren't poor by any means. Like, his parents, like, worked their asses off to provide for their children. And they lived in an upper middle class neighborhood. So that's... Yeah, that's good. Better than most. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of Cho's, Kim Hyung Won, said that he was so smart in math and English that he was able to finish their three-year course in just a year and a half. Wow. Um, and I believe this was like a middle school friend of his and their school system works where you go from kindergarten to fifth grade and then you have uh, middle school, which is not a junior high. It's sixth through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And then you go on to high school. Okay. That's how mine was. Oh, was it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was like elementary school and then middle school and then high school. So, when I went to school, like, it was kindergarten through sixth grade, and then there was junior high for just seventh and eighth, and then mm-hmm. I went to high school for ninth and twelfth. See, I wished, like, back in, when I was in middle school, I wished that mine was, like, a junior high, because then I could be like, mm-hmm, I'm in a junior high. <laughs> like, I'm almost in high school. You're in junior high school, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I don't know, junior high was, like, my favorite. I didn't mind elementary school, like, to be honest, 
I didn't mind elementary school. Junior high was lit, bro. Like, I was so stoked <laughs> on junior high. I was like, hell yeah. And then especially when I became a senior, or senior, wow, in eighth grade, I was like, let's go. I rule this school. I'm older than right. all y'all. But, I mean, there's only two grades. But then, like, leaving that and going to high school you're was like, so- <laughs> It's like being, like, a, a, a midget among dwarves. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Uh, but basically, I mean, like, we were all, like, the same age. You're, like, 12 and 13-year-olds. Like, calm down. Nobody is that much older than anybody else. Yeah, but back then, it was, like, a huge deal. It's, like, it's, yeah, it it is very elitist to be, like, an eighth grader when the only options are seventh and eighth. Exactly. Like, it was a big deal. And so, yeah, and, like, even in sixth grade, like, we were, like, the top dogs because we were in sixth grade. We were the highest grade in our school. Right. Um, so yeah, Cho was very smart and he was able to finish his classes, um, in a year and a half. In high school, he was described as sullen and aloof. After his crimes were revealed to the public, high school classmates would come forward to newspapers claiming he was bullied in high school for his shyness and the way he talked. So students were not shy about this. They were like, yeah, he was bullied. Like they, they said it. Years later, they came out and they admitted it. One classmate, Chris, recalled that Cho almost never opened his mouth and would ignore attempts to start conversations. He went on to say that during an English class, the teacher went around the room and each student was to read a section out loud. When the teacher got to Cho, he just looked down in silence. I mean, I can relate to being nervous reading out loud to the class. Like, I'd always get, like, Mm -hmm. you know that feeling in your chest, like in the butterflies? Um, Yeah. I would always try to, like, read ahead to make sure I can, like, pronounce the words. So, like, if I got called on by, like, if it was, or if my turn to read was coming up, I would, like, read ahead to make sure, okay, like, are there any words in here that you can't say? Like, do you need to practice? Or, like, one, like, what was it, To Kill a Mockingbird, where it's, like, your teacher was, like, literally, like, yeah, say the N-word in front of the entire class. It's, like, can we, like, go through this and make sure we know what we can and can't say out loud? Because nobody felt comfortable doing it. No. Or, like, even the word sex, like, in school. Mm-hmm. Even if you referred to, like, a gender. But the word right. sex in general was very taboo. Like, you didn't want to read that out loud to your entire class. No. Like, that was embarrassing. Any, or anything that resembled the word sex. Like, if it was, like, yeah. six or, like, succeed, it would be like, oh, no, not me. Or, Don't like. Make me read that. Or, like, the word climax. Like, when you talked about the climax of a story. Yeah. Or, like, organism. You did not want oh, to pronounce hell that. Oh, no. Right. Don't make me say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just like, Cho is just blatantly refusing to read in front of the class, which that just attracts more attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you just read it, get through it, you're done. But now he's sitting there blatantly refusing to read in front of the class. So the teacher threatened him to give him a failing grade for participation. So he finally started reading. But they. The classmate said it was in a low, deep voice that sounded like he had something in his mouth. Ew. Yeah. Chris would go on to say that as soon as he started speaking, the entire class started laughing and pointing at him saying, go back to China, which... Oh, that's that's messed up. Yeah, obviously we don't condone bullying of any kind, but especially when it has to do with somebody's race or ethnicity. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just... That's on a whole other level. Like, kids are fucked. Kids are super fucked. Like... I don't know. Some of the stuff we used to say, it's like, mm, like the F word. 
like how everybody would used to use that word and I don't mean fuck I mean a gay slur like mm-hmm. how people would be like don't be such a you know and it's like why why did we think that was okay I don't know like I don't think I ever said it but like definitely I boys, don't yeah it was more of a boy thing yeah I think it was it was probably it a lot of insecurity about themselves, which is something that we all feel when we're in, like, middle school, junior high, high school, yeah. college, adulthood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another classmate of Cho's, Reagan Wilder, said he walked around with his head down and almost never spoke. And when he did, it was more of a whisper or a mutter. Two other classmates, Chris and Carmen, stated that there was a rumor of Cho having a hit list, but nothing ever came of it. Um, And by hit list, I mean literally having a list of students he was going to kill. But unfortunately, this was never reported to the school, so Cho would go on to graduate in 2003 and would continue his education at Virginia Tech University. A year after he graduated high school, his sister would graduate from Princeton and move back home to work as a State Department contractor. Hmm. Yeah, his sister seemed like she had it all figured out. Like, she seemed like a really smart person. Nice. Virginia Tech University is located in Blacksburg, Virginia, and at the time had over 30,000 students living on campus. Cho was hopeful that he would get away from his high school and blend in with the other college students, but unfortunately, he stood out as a silent loner. But in his downtime, Cho enjoyed writing gruesome poems, stories, and plays and referred to himself as question mark. Um, also, too, like, he graduated high school. A lot of the kids he went to high school with also went to Virginia Tech. So What year did he graduate high school? 2003. Okay. Student Allison Heck said a sweet mate of hers, which... Sweetmate is what they called, like, your dorm mate, basically. Right. They were just, like, bigger dorms, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. like, instead of referring to them as dorms, they referred to them as suites. So, yeah. I just want to clarify that the, at the beginning of this. Did you ever watch The Sex Life of College Girls? No. Oh, it's so good. It's on HBO. But that's what I imagine, like, when you're saying this. Because they have, like, a really big suite that they all live in. Um... I have no idea how big these rooms were. I couldn't find anything on that, but I'm assuming if they're calling it a suite, it's probably like that. Um, but student Allison Heck said a sweet mate of hers that went to the same high school as Cho found a question mark on the whiteboard on her door. Allison said, Allison did say that she didn't know for sure who drew the question mark, but she did remember her sweet mate saying she was being stalked. Cho also once wrote a question mark on the sign-in sheet on the first day of a literature class, so many other students would come to know him as the question mark kid. Reagan, who I had mentioned earlier, said that his attitude did not get better in college, but that they would try to make eye contact with Cho, but he would just look away. So I say they because I don't know if Reagan's a guy or a girl because that name can go both ways. Um, So Reagan is saying that they would pass Cho and... They knew that Cho was a shy person, so they would try to, you know, you know when you make eye contact with somebody just as like a, hey, you know, kind of yeah. thing, or like little, little Acknowledging smirk. the other person. Yeah, just like a smile or something. They were basically trying to do that, but Cho would not reciprocate it and would actually just like intentionally look away from them. That's true. That's why I look on like at the ground when I walk because I'm like, well, what if I acknowledge someone and they don't acknowledge me back? It's going to hurt my feelings. Well, that's why like COVID bothered me the most was because you didn't have like 
that facial interaction with people. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just staring at you, but you can't see that I'm smiling. <laughs> right. And that sucks. So that was one of the many difficulties of Rona. That was the worst part. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> We're kidding. There's a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> um, one of Cho's professors, Nikki Giovanni, had him removed from her classroom for disturbing the other students. She went on to tell Time Magazine that there was something mean about him and claimed that he was a bully and would show up to class wearing a hat and sunglasses, which she was constantly asking him to remove. Cho was also taking pictures of female students' legs and knees in class. Ew. Yeah, so I think it's ironic that his teacher is basically saying that he is the bully now and he was the one being bullied in high school. It totally makes sense, though, because college is, like, a whole nother story. So he's going in, and he's going in 100% full force because he's not going to let it happen this time to where he is the victim. Right. Um, another member of the English department also expressed concern regarding Cho. Lucinda Roy, the co-director of the school's creative writing program, would tutor him individually and encourage Cho to seek counseling. Cho continued displaying red flags, and it escalated to the point where he had been accused of stalking two different female students in 2005. So remember what I said earlier about the sweet mate who was claiming Mm -hmm. that she was being stalked and also had that question mark on her whiteboard on her door. That's really creepy. That, it seems like she's, like, being targeted. Yeah. Unfortunately, neither victim filed charges. Cho had expressed to his sweet mate his desire to commit suicide, And in response to this, he was taken to a psychiatric hospital in December of 2005. He was released with orders to receive therapy as an outpatient. On February 2nd, 2007, so, um, what is that, a year, a little over a year later, Cho purchased his first handgun, which was a 22 caliber Walther P-22 semi-automatic pistol through TGSCOM, Inc., an online federally licensed firearms dealer out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm. So we have this person who just got out of a psychiatric hospital and a year later is purchasing guns. I have a problem with that. I I hope most people do because they should. The gun was shipped to JND Pawnbrokers in Blacksburg. Cho went in and completed the purchase transaction and picked up the handgun. On March 13th, 2007, exactly 16 years ago... Cho went into Roanoke Firearms and purchased a 9mm Glock 19 semi-automatic pistol. Um, really, really quick, Roanoke is one of my favorite, like, unsolved mysteries in existence. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good one. I think that's something we should cover on uh, Sentenced After Dark because I love that story. I love that season of American Horror Story. Like, it's just, it's so intriguing, and it's like, Mm -hmm. what happened to these people? Anyway, sorry, my little tangent. (laughs) Um, He was able to pass both background checks and all other requirements to purchase a firearm in Virginia. He even waited the required 30 days in between purchases. However, he did not disclose on the background questionnaire his mental health issues. On March 22nd, he purchased two 10-round magazines for the Walther P-22 pistol through eBay. He also purchased additional ammunition magazines from Walmart and Dick's Sporting Goods. It is also suspected that he purchased another 10-round magazine from another seller on eBay. 
So clearly, like, he's escalating. Something's going on. Like, he's making a lot of purchases right now. How is this not being flagged? Right? And I think it's weird that you can buy, like, some of these accessories just on eBay. That's disgusting. Like, I'm not anti-guns. I'm not pro-guns either. Like, I think... I think it is too easy to get a gun. See, that's exactly how I feel. What's what's on the black market is on the black market. Whatever kind of illegal guns are out there are out there and they're going to stay out there because obviously they're they're not known, right? right? So that's that's what I think makes it difficult when it comes to gun control because yeah, we can have all sorts of laws and everything, but anything that's illegal is going to remain illegal and people are going to go about ways of getting whatever it is that they want to get. That's not to say that we don't need to try to make it better. Well, and I don't understand, like, people needing to build an arsenal. And I think we kind of talked about this, what was it, in the Hella Crafts case, where mm-hmm. he had, like, dozens of weapons, like, guns. And it's like, what is the reason? Right. You are not living off of the land. You are not fighting for your life on a daily basis against zombies. Like, I understand wanting to defend yourself against future zombies if it ever happened, but at the same time, it's like, why do you need so much? It's just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree. know. But, and again, I think it is too easy to get a gun. Like, I think you should have to do a psych evaluation and not just fill out a questionnaire and say, oh, yes, I don't have any of these issues. Right. I think you should have to do extensive testing before getting a gun just like I think you should go through extensive testing before you're allowed to have children like (laughs) the amount of people that have kids that should not have kids is mind-boggling like and then there's people that should have kids that don't get to have them or struggle to have them but that's so hard that's a topic for another day because that'll make me cry (laughs) (laughs) because we are on year two of trying to get pregnant so It'll happen. I know. It's just frustrating. On April 16th, 2007, four days shy of the eighth anniversary of Columbine, around 7.15 a.m., police were called out to the fourth floor of West Ambler Johnston Hall, a high-rise co-ed dormitory. Once in the building, police found Emily J. Hilsher and Ryan C. Stack Clark shot to death. Police initially thought this was a domestic violence situation and were looking into Emily's boyfriend as a spe- as a suspect. However, we all know this wasn't the case. Emily was a first-year student who was studying animal and poultry sciences and equine science. In an online tribute, someone wrote, We love you, Emily. Your smile will never be forgotten. She was just 19 years old. Oh my gosh. Ryan Clark, who was referred to as Stack, was a dorm advisor and a senior with a triple major in biology, English, and psychology. Wow. And was just one month away from graduating. Oh my gosh. After graduating, he was going to pursue a doctorate in psychology. He was just 22. Mm. So this kid, like... Horrible. Worked his butt off to get to where he was. A triple major? That is so hard. Yeah. Especially cl- with classes like biology and psychology that are just, like, really heavy on, like, the reading. And I just and have English. to say, too, like, I just got chills, like, talking about them. Um, it's always more difficult, I feel like, talking about younger people, especially those who 
are trying to pursue higher education and, like, mm-hmm. build a career. Um, and it's not going to get easier. Like, we have a lot of people to get through. That's, and he, I mean, he was, a, if he was getting his doctorate in psychology, that means that he genuinely wanted to help people, too. And, like, their pictures, they just looked like the sweetest people. Like, both mm-hmm. of these people, the, both of them, Emily and Stack, had just great, just great smiles. Like you, it just oh radiated gosh. through their pictures. Yeah. These are just two of the 32 people that would lose their lives on April 16th, wow. 2007. On the same day at 9.40 a.m., Cho entered a classroom building, chained and locked several of the main doors, and began his spree. Armed with two handguns and over a hundred rounds of ammunition, he went room to room shooting people. Approximately ten minutes after his rampage began, Cho would turn the gun on himself and take his own life. So literally just ten minutes of the worst thing a possibly imagined like mm-hmm. ever and i'm sure it felt like a lifetime for anybody else was that was in the say. building because like 10 minutes just normally is nothing 10 minutes when it's when your life is being yeah. threatened like yeah. earthquakes for example i mean i know earthquakes are nothing in comparison to what he did except for you know the, the earthquake in turkey which was devastating um earthquakes last for seconds they right. let la- they feel like, they last for, like, 15 minutes. Totally. Because you're like, is it over? Is it going to end? And we just have... Like, is this going to get worse? Right. Like, we have minor ones. Like, they're, like, 3.2 sometimes. Like, that's a pretty good one for us that we, like, really feel. But, like, a situation like this where you don't know if you're going to be able to get out, you don't know if you're going to live, 10 minutes probably felt like three hours, if not longer. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't either. I, it is my biggest fear. Um, I work in an office where there is no other way out. So if somebody came in through my front door, first of all, I'm sitting right there. Second of all, there is no other way to get out of the building. I have one door and that Mm -hmm. scares the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. But anytime Robert and I go to a restaurant, we look for all of our exits. When we go to a movie theater, I'm like, if somebody Mm -hmm. came in here, how am I going to duck down far enough that I won't get hit if they're standing at the front of the theater like every single place I go to now it's in the back of my mind yeah it is it really is and it's really sad that we have to live our lives like that but we've we have no other option at this point we have to be anytime we go somewhere when we went and saw David Spade we were like there was weird shit going on there were security people in bulletproof vests which is not something we've ever seen at that um, what am I, what's the word I'm looking venue? for? Venue. Thank you. We've never seen anything like that at that venue before. And we were freaking out and it's like, what, like at what point can we just start enjoying things again without feeling like, like we can't go to a concert, we can't go to a show. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like even when we went and saw Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck, mm-hmm. I was like, kind of stressed because there were a lot of people there you know it was right after the amber heard trial so it was like it was a big deal to see johnny and like it was his one of his last shows so it was it was even more of a big deal and so um it was definitely like okay like are we gonna be okay like and everybody thankfully was on like their best behavior but if you drunk like mix drunk people into the mix too with stuff like that it's even more (laughs) intense right but yeah any any situation now it's like Robert is always seated where he's facing the door. 
so he can see who's coming through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, he and I have already talked about it. Like, if something happens, he's going to try everything in his power to, like, muscle through it to get me out. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thought. Yeah, it so, is. So that is the world we live in now. It's like anywhere you go, you have to think. Like, even Target. I know. If I hear a weird noise in the middle of the store, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, where do I go? Like, how can I hide in, like, an aisle? I'm a big bitch. Like, I don't know how I'm going to hide anywhere. But, I mean, that's, it's always there. Yeah. It's or, terrible. Yeah. I it's can go really, on, like, a list. It's really sad. I can go down a list forever of, like, places and, like, how I would hide and stuff. But we don't have time for all that. <laughs> Word spread quickly to the parents and loved ones of the students of Virginia Tech, and they all waited anxiously to find out if their child would be one of the victims or if they made it out safely, which, again, is a whole other level of I cannot imagine the Mm -hmm. parents and, like, if your spouse was there or your friend and you're just waiting to find out if they're the ones that made it or if they were one of the victims. Right. Cho's parents were contacted by the FBI and were told that their son was dead, but they didn't realize at first that their son was the reason the massacre had happened. Mm. Cho's sister had to translate to her parents that her little brother had shot and killed over 30 people and ended it by taking his own life. His entire family was shocked, especially considering how shy of a person he was. On April 18th, just two days after the shootings, NBC... NBC News received a package from Cho. The package had a timestamp that indicated he mailed the package on April 16th between the dorm shooting and the classroom shooting. So in the middle of his murder spree, he has the wherewithal to go out and mail a package to NBC. Did he do that, like, on campus? I I don't know. I mean, how much time passed? It was 7.15 and... Uh, 9.40. So he had over two hours. So was there no, like, lockdown? I'm gonna get to that. Okay. The package was delayed in getting delivered due to an incorrect zip code being written on the parcel. NBC did contact the authorities regarding the package, but they made the decision to ultimately release the contents of the package to the public. In the package were photographs of Cho showing off his guns, along with a video in which he ranted about the wealthy brats at his school and how they made him this way. The video he sent was considered to be a multimedia manifesto. I will read you some of his entries, but not all of them. Um, He seems to have an overall, like, pity me attitude. It feels that because he was bullied earlier in life, all people who seem to be better off than him are the reason he is who he is. Oh, so just playing the victim. Oh, absolutely. Some of his passages also included uh, corresponding pictures. Um, I wasn't really sure on if it was a video or if it was just, like, multimedia, like, voice messages, basically, and then, like, pictures with them. It wasn't really clear on how he well, sent it. Well, I think, it. like, back in the day, a multimedia message was anything. It could have just been a picture. It could have just been a voice message. You know what I mean? There were over, like, I think it said over 27, um, there were over 27 passages of, mm. like, text. And so, okay. and some of them had corresponding pictures with them. So, there was a lot in there. 
So the first one I'm going to read is uh, as follows. All the shit you've given me right back out you with hollow points. Photograph of hollow point bullets attached. Don't you just wish you finished me off when you had the chance? Don't you just wish you killed me? And the second one read, and these are just two. I'm not going to go into all of them. These are just two okay. that I picked out. Uh, some of them are really dark, so I didn't pick any of those ones because it was just, like, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Are you happy now that you have destroyed my life? Now that you have stolen everything you could from me? Now that you have gone on a 9-11 on my life like fucking Osama? Now that you have fucked your own people like fucking Kim Jong the second? Now that you have gone on a Hummer safari on my life like fucking Bush, are you happy now? What? Like, he just, he just went off. Like, I'm not chuckling because it's funny. I'm chuckling because it's just sad. It's, and it's disgusting. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, how else do you react other than to say, like, what, like you did? Or to chuckle because it's like, you just got to get through it because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. After NBC released the contents to the public, family and friends of the victims were concerned that this would glorify his actions and others copying his rampage. Because we all know that there are copycat killers out there. Exactly. When they see someone getting this kind of attention. and Yeah, exactly. Like, how many people have copied the Columbine shooting? Like, um, I forget her name. And her name was Christina... Oh, sorry. But the two boys, the scream killers. Who, oh. Like, you yeah. Know, you know who I'm talking about, where they, mm-hmm. like, have the videos that came out, and they're talking about Columbine and how, like, they wanted to, you know, basically copy them, but in a different sense. So. Yeah. So stupid. I hate them. I watched that video, and I was like, you two are just two little pussy-ass punk bitches. Like, I hate you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Ugh. Dr. Michael Wellner, who also reviewed the materials, believed that Cho's rantings offer little insight into the mental illness that may have triggered his rampage. Wellner stated that these videos do not help us understand him. They distort him. He was meek. He was quiet. This is a PR tape of him trying to turn himself into a Quentin Tarantino character. During the investigation, it was determined that Cho did not have a specific target in mind during his massacre. However, investigators did find a note in Cho's dorm which criticized, again, the rich kids and deceitful charlatans, is the word he used. Which I think is just, like, a way of him being, like, a petty-ass virgin. Like, basically calling these women whores because they won't, like, sleep with you. No. Like, don't be so fucking weird. Yeah. Police also speculated that this was not a spur-of-the-moment crime, but Cho was planning this out for months. Due to Cho's obvious struggles with an undiagnosed mental illness, as well as turning in writings with aggressive and sometimes gruesome topics, Virginia Tech was fined by the U.S. Department of Education for failing to issue a prompt warning to the students after the shooting at the dorms in the morning. Wow. Yeah, like, why did we not do that? Because I remember being in, like, junior high, and there would be a police chase. They'd shut down our school. Mm-hmm. Like, we did a school-wide shutdown a couple of times because of stuff like that. Or, like, someone in the area, like, a mile away had a gun. They right. never made it to our campus, but we still would do a whole, like, a shutdown. Right. So, why they wouldn't shut down a school when two students were literally just murdered in a dormitory building baffles me. Yeah, that 
that seems uh, inexcusable. I don't know if there's something else going on like that we're not aware of, but that does not seem right. Yeah, I don't. Like, I understand this was, like, the early 2000s, but still, like, Columbine had happened. Right. Eight and years. Even, even in the early 2000s, like, we were still practicing um, those drills. What, what I don't remember what they were called. But, like, certain drills where you would have to, like, get under your desk. Like, we would you, would, you would practice active shooting drills in middle school, in junior high school, and high school. And I was in middle school in, like, 2003. Graduated eighth grade in 2003, and we were doing all of that then. Right. I was in seventh grade in 2007. Like, I started in 2006 and then ended in 2007. So, April 2007, yeah, I would have been in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember, because I was in Mrs. Putnam's class, I love her, um, and we did a drill where, so our <clears throat> our door to the room had a window on it, and then mm-hmm. we had one window in the corner, so we had to position ourselves so that if somebody was in the hallway, they couldn't see us. But right. if somebody was outside, they couldn't see us. So we had to hide right. in, like, specific corners. Right. And so that was the year that this happened. So, like, it was clearly already a thing before this. Right. And, like, two hours passed mm-hmm. between the first kill. The the killings happened before 17, 7, before 7.15 a.m. Because that's when the cops got notified. So he had probably around three hours. Okay, yeah. Wow. Because the shooting at the school started at 9.40. 7.15 is when the cops were notified. So, like, he had over three hours to get from the dorms to the school, mailed off a package in the meantime. Who knows what else he did in between. That's crazy. So they had plenty of time to figure out that, you know... And, and like, for them to be like, oh, it was domestic violence. Like, why was... The, why was Stack killed? Just because yeah. he was there? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, anyway. The school was fined. Um, I would now like to end this episode by going over the victims' names and who they were as people. And not just as chose victims. Okay. There are over 25 names. Um, but I feel it is very important to get their names out there. Because that is kind of like our thing is that you always get to hear about the murderer and not about the victims. Um, So if you don't want to listen to all of these names, I completely understand. Um, I just think it is important. I agree. So with no further ado, I'm just going to get into this. Uh, Ross Alamandine was a sophomore English major from Saugus, Massachusetts. A memorial page on Facebook.com describes him as an intelligent, funny, easygoing guy. He was just 20 years old. Christopher James Bishop was a German instructor teaching in a classroom in Norris Hall before he was killed. He moved from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to Virginia Tech two years ago when when his wife got a job there. Uh, Bishop, who was known as Jamie, grew up in the small town of Pine Mountain, Georgia. He attended the University of Georgia and also spent time in Germany as a Fulbright scholar. In addition to languages and teaching, Bishop loved art and technology. His friend Jacques Morin said Bishop was passionate about everything. He was just 35. Brian Blum, a graduate student, was working toward a master's degree in water resources, water resources, sorry, 
according to the Virginia Tech website. He had received an undergraduate degree from Virginia Tech in civil engineering. On a memorial page, Amy Miley of Virginia Tech wrote, Brian was a very happy individual. You couldn't help but smile when you were around him. Let's all shed our tears and then smile in his memory. Austin Cloyd was an international studies major from Blacksburg, Virginia. Cloyd's father teaches accounting at Virginia Tech. Her former pastor, the Reverend Terry Harder, told the Associated Press the family moved to Virginia in 2005 from Champaign, Illinois, where they were active members of Harder's church. Harder told the Associated Press that Cloyd was a very delightful, intelligent, warm young lady. She played basketball and volleyball in high school and went on mission trips to Appalachia, um, and that is from the Reverend. Not all of these um, students and teachers have ages, okay. um, but I'm assuming if they're a student, they're probably in the, between the ages of 18, probably around 25, 30. Mm-hmm. So all very young individuals. Right. Jocelyn Corder Nowak was a French instructor at Virginia Tech. Her daughter Francine told the Daily News of Halifax, my mother was a very big opponent of guns. She really arbored violence, especially with guns. I definitely could see her fighting to the end. Um, Kevin Granada was a professor of engineering science and mechanics. He had served in the military and later conducted orthopedic research in hospitals before becoming to Virginia Tech. He and his wow. students researched muscle and reflex response and robotics. Ishwar Puri, head of school's engineering science and mechanics department, says Granada was one of the top five biomechanics researchers in the country and was working on movement dynamics and cerebral palsy. He was just 45. Wow. It's like, they're such good people. Mm-hmm. I'm trying really hard not to cry because, like, it's just, like, it's really heartbreaking. It is. Matthew Gwaltney of Chester, Virginia, was a graduate student in civil and environmental engineering. Matthew was close to finishing his degree. His high school principal, Robert Stansbury, told the Associated Press that he had been named best guy to take home to your parents in high school, where he was also sports editor for the school newspaper. He was just 24. That one right there just, like, hit different. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> it's, like... The best to bring home to your parents. You knew he was a good guy. Yeah, very wholesome. Caitlin Hammerin was a sophomore majoring in international studies and French. She graduated in 2005 from Minnesick Valley High School in Slate Hill, New York, and was a talented musician, said Dr. Martha Murray, superintendent of Minnesick Valley Central Schools. Caitlin played the violin and sang. She was also a strong student and wanted to go into international politics. Murray would go on to say she actually has been described as someone who was like a magnet for other kids and a role model. Always very positive. Students at the high school have talked about her in their classes and school officials are trying to do what her father told Murray he wanted to do. Celebrate her. Hmm. She was just 19. Jeremy Herbstritt was a graduate student in civil engineering. Family members said in a statement that he was a good storyteller and a fun-loving person with a great sense of humor. He liked to kayak, run, and hike, and loved the outdoors. They also described him as a bright young man, a hard worker, and a wonderful son and brother. He was just 27. Rachel Elizabeth Hill, a freshman, graduated from uh, Grove Avenue Christian School in Henrico County, Virginia. Her high school superintendent and pastor, Clay Folger, 
said in a statement that the world has lost one of its brightest prospects. He said she was beautiful, intelligent, and a leader, and she had a close relationship with her parents. Uh, one of her beloved scriptures is Song of Solomon 8.5. Who is this coming from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? He said, Rachel saw herself as the one coming from the wilderness and needing to lean on her savior more and more. On a memorial page set up on Facebook, Hillary Albert of East Carolina wrote, God wanted another beautiful and perfect angel up there in heaven with him. She was just 18. Mm. Uh, we're about halfway through, I think. Jarrett Lane was a senior studying civil engineering. He had been valedictorian of his high school class in Narrows, Virginia. According to Lane's friend, Justin Waldron, the school put up a memorial to Lane that included pictures, musical instruments, and his athletic jerseys. Lane played the trombone, ran track, and played football and basketball. Waldron said in a Facebook entry that Lane was loved by all and hated by none. He was just 22. Matthew Laporte was a sophomore from Dumont, New Jersey, majoring in university studies. He was a 2005 graduate of Carson Long Military Institute, a private boys' school in New Bloomfield, Pennsylvania, that offers military training according to its Alumni Associates website. During a graduation speech, he said that the school had changed his life, according to the Associated Press. I know that Carson Long was my second chance, he said. He was attending Virginia Tech on an Air Force ROTC scholarship and also was a member of the Corps Cadets. Cadets, sorry. Oh. He was just 20 years old. Wow. Henry Lee, and no, not Dr. Henry Lee, different Henry Lee, was a freshman majoring in computer engineering. Um, he changed his name from Hen to Henry when he became a U.S. citizen in the last year, so in 2006. Henry was the salutatorian. Salutatorian? Oh, okay. Is that right? Salutatorian? Salutatorian? I, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, Clearly, his- <laughs> neither one of us, neither one of us were at that status. No. Uh, but he was that <laughs> of his class. And he was reluctant to speak at his graduation in June because he was nervous about talking in front of thousands of people. But he eventually agreed, and one of his friends said it was a proud moment for him. Teachers at William Fleming High, who saw Henry over Christmas break, said he was smiling and upbeat about his future at Virginia Tech. Oh my gosh. He was just 20 years old. The View Librescu was an engineering science and mathematics lecturer. He was among the victims at Norris Hall. Um, students say that he tried to keep the gunmen from entering the room so that others could jump out of the windows to save themselves. Oh. Born and educated in Romania, he was internationally known for his research in aeronautical engineering. Oh my gosh. He was a Holocaust survivor. Monday was Holocaust Remembrance Day. Engineering department head Ishwar Puri said he was born in a communist country and had a great thirst for freedom. He was 76. Oh, no. Oh, that just gave me chills. Yeah. Uh, I told you, this isn't, this isn't an easy one. G.V. Loganthin was a professor of civil and environmental engineering. He was born in southern India and had been a professor at Virginia Tech since 1982. 
He taught courses in hydraulics, hydrology, and water resources engineering and was a core advisor for undergraduates in the department. His students described him as one of their favorites, and he received several awards for excellence in teaching. On the Virginia Tech website, one colleague described him as truly one of the most outstanding classroom educators within the College of Engineering. He was just 51. Wow. Bertahi Lubentorian, sorry, that one was a tough, tough one for me, was a civil engineering doctoral student from Indonesia. His family told the Associated Press he wanted to become a teacher in the United States, and they sold property and cars to pay his tuition. We tried everything to completely finance his studies in the United States, said his father. We only wanted him to succeed in his studies, but he met a tragic fate. His aunt described his her nephew as hardworking and intelligent. He was just 34. Wow. Lauren McCain of Hampton, Virginia, was an international studies major. On her MySpace page, she said Jesus Christ was the love of her life. Leonard Riley, a former pastor at her church, Restoration Church, Phoebus Baptist, told the Virginia pilot he was known, he has known the family for about 10 years. You meet a lot of young people in your life, but not a lot will make the impression that Lauren did, he said. To know her was to love her. She was always ready and willing to do for someone else. She was just 20 years old. Oh my gosh. Daniel O'Neill is an engineering graduate student from Lincoln, Rhode Island. His friend Steve told the Associated Press that O'Neill was a hard worker and someone who never got into trouble. He loved his family. He was pretty much destined to be extremely successful. He just didn't deserve to have what happened to him. Um, O'Neill also played guitar and wrote songs that he recorded and posted on his website. He was just 22. Hmm. Juan Ortiz, a graduate student studying civil engineering, was from Puerto Rico. He was an extraordinary son, what any father would have wanted. His father said, Neighbors of the family in Bayamon, a San Juan suburb, told the Associated Press that he was a quiet and dedicated son who played in a salsa band with his father. He was just 26. Oh my gosh. Manal Pachal was a graduate student from India who wanted to become an architect. Her friend, who lives in Borivali, India, told the Associated Press that Pachal was thrilled when she was admitted to Virginia Tech last year. She was a brilliant student and very hardworking. She was focused on getting her degree and doing well. She was just 26. Daniel Perez Sueva was a native of Peru and was majoring in international relations. A friend of his described him as very responsible with schoolwork and very mature, but that he had a humorous side. The friends who met in the lunch line in high school in Woodbridge, Virginia, liked to joke around. His friend would go on to say that he had been excited about applying for internships with the French and Italian embassies in Washington. He was just 21. Wow. Like, at 21, I started with property management, but I had no idea mm. what I was going to do the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, the fact that these kids, like, they're, they're kids, they're young, are so mature and know what they're going to do with their lives, and they're just taken by somebody who was upset with them and jealous like it just not even at them just at like the at his I don't even think it was about them I think it was about him I think it was about him not being comfortable in his own skin him being bullied like it was all it was all about him it was him 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 yeah 100% 
Erin Nicole Peterson was a freshman majoring in international studies. She had been a basketball standout at Westfield High School in Chantilly, Virginia, and was inducted into the National Honor Society as a high school senior in 2005. Peterson's high school basketball coach, Pat Deegan, said she was a good student and excellent athlete who made it her business to make everyone around her a better person. He said members of the basketball team shared anecdotes about how Peterson reached out when they were new to the school or nervous about playing their first varsity game. Peterson played on the varsity team for three years and was captain her senior year. And it turns out that she and Cho went to the same high school. Uh. Michael Pohl Jr. of Flemington, New Jersey, was a biology major close to graduating from Virginia Tech. Pohl had played football and lacrosse while attending Hunterton Central Regional High School. He was a great all-around kid, and it's just tragic that his life was so short in such a senseless act of violence, his high school vice principal, vice principal Craig Blanton told the Star-Ledger of Newark. He was just 23. Jeez. Julia Pride was a graduate student from Middletown, New Jersey. She had been given... She had been in G.V. Loganthan's advanced hydrology class when she was killed. Her advisor, Mary Lee Wolf, told the Asbury Park Press. Wolf, a professor of biological systems at Virginia Tech, said that Julia graduated with a bachelor's degree in biological systems engineering last spring. She always tried to make a difference herself rather than try to ask someone else to do something, Wolf told the newspaper. Uh, she was just 23 years old. Mary Karen Reed was a freshman from Annandale, Virginia. She hadn't yet picked a major at Virginia Tech. I think she wanted to try to spread her wings, her aunt Karen told the Associated Press. Mary, who was part of an Air Force family, was born in South Korea and had also lived in Texas and California. She was just 19. Mm. It's like, and like her, for example, if Cho had just been a normal human being, could have formed a friendship with her. Right. They're both from South Korea. They both moved to the United States. It's like, yeah, obviously, like, where people come from isn't, like, their only connection. But still, like, that's how you make human connections with people. Right. Is you find a similarity. Do you need to be stuck with them for the rest of your life and be best friends forever? No. no. But, like, try. And honestly, when you're a freshman in college, you're, especially when you're in a new place, you're desperate to be friends with anyone that you're just, like, meeting so many people and you're like, yeah, like, let's let's connect, let's hang out, let's do this, you're excited, so. Right. He's an, he just makes me so mad. We're, uh, we're almost done. Sorry. <laughs> I just think it's important to get their names out there. No, like, I, I do too. I could have just read them off, but then, like, you wouldn't have remembered anything. You know what no, I mean? No, it's, it's important to, like, have a connection with these individuals. They are the victims, and that's why we're here. We're here to advocate for them and to tell these stories, to bring awareness around it so that it doesn't continue to happen. And it's like, this happened almost 16, almost exactly 16 years ago. They're, they've missed out on so much. Like, they didn't get mm -hmm. to do so much. And their family got to miss out on who they were going to be. And... As someone that does believe in God, it's like, yes, you know, I, I do think that God had a different plan for them. But at the same time, it's like... This, it doesn't make it any easier. No, like this one person did this. Mm -hmm. One. One individual. Rima Samaha was a freshman from a close-knit Centralville, Virginia family of Lebanese descent. 
She loved acting, dancing, and drama, and was studying French. Reba was close to her older brother and sister, and her family traveled to Beirut to visit her mother's family almost every summer. Rima had attended Westfield High School, where she won a talent show um, in 2006 with a belly dance. Rima was just 18 years old. Oh, gosh. Walid Mohammed Shalan, originally from Egypt, was a doctoral student in civil engineering. He began attending Virginia Tech in the fall of 2006. According to the Muslim Students Association at Virginia Tech, he had been married for three years and had a one-year-old son. His roommate said on the association's website that he was planning to bring his family to Virginia soon. He was the simplest and nicest guy I ever knew. We would be studying for our exams, and he would go buy a cake and make tea for us. Oh, my gosh. Leslie Sherman was a sophomore majoring in history and international relations. She graduated in 2005 from West Springfield High School in Springfield, Virginia. Her friend, Buddy, also a sophomore at Virginia Tech, said that she wanted to join the Peace Corps after college. Leslie loved the Russian language and Russian history. He described her as someone who was always happy and optimistic. Maxine Turner, a senior from Vienna, Virginia, was majoring in chemical engineering. She was also a mentor to fellow chemical engineering student Beth Fairchild. They were both members of an engineering sorority, Alpha Omega Epsilon, and shared a love of Taekwondo. Fairchild writes this about her sorority, Big Sister. Max was, if anything, a great friend. She'd always be there for you through the good times and bad and was only a call away. She was very peace-loving and friendly, which only accentuates the horrible tragedy that befell her. Turner died in a German language class taught by Christopher James Bishop. Um, and I love that she went by Max because I love that name. Mm-hmm. I've already said when I have kids, like if I have a boy, his name will be, his name will be Max, and if I have a girl, Alice. Cute. And last but certainly not least, we have Nicole White. She was a junior majoring in international studies. Chance Hellman, who graduated with White from Smithfield High School in Virginia and attends Virginia Tech, told the Daily Press of Hampton Roads that White worked cleaning stables and caring for horses at a barn in high school. She was known for loving animals and worked summers as a lifeguard. She was just 20 years old. Wow. So those are all the victims of Swing Hee Cho. Um, All brilliant people, like young adults, even a few senior citizens, really smart intelligent people just Mm -hmm. taken out of this world because he just could not cope with himself because he was selfish and insecure yeah it's like if you if he had just gone to therapy yeah like therapy does wonders for people it does it it really does i can absolutely confirm that um so Sorry, that was uh, a bit of a tough one. I mean, it is always tough, like, talking about the victims and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I needed to do something different than our normal murder. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, with everything going on in our country, I think it's necessary to talk about. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. So I'm glad this is coming after a week off. <laughs> Maybe we should have released this one before the week off. That way some people can have a week off before then. Well, we we have a week off and then we have my episode and then this. Okay, good. 
Yeah. Your episode is like the pre-palate cleanser, and then your episode after will hopefully be another <laughs> palate cleanser. But Ooh, even my still... My episode after is going to be rough. I know, but... even still, it's like we're still talking about murder. I know. Which is a good segue, I guess, into some other things that we can start having conversations around, which is our sentenced after dark. I know that we've been mentioning this, and we've been... I guess entertaining the idea of it, but I think it's something that we're both excited about and it's something that we both want to actually start doing. So, um, if you guys have any haunted places you want us to cover, I think the first season is going to be jails, right? Yes, haunted prisons, haunted jails. I've already called dibs on talking about Alcatraz because... <laughs> I'm obsessed with Alcatraz. I think I have an Alcatraz book. Yeah, I do. And a Ghost Hunters book. So I could probably look through that too to see what's in there. There's probably prisons. So. We were just there like two years ago. No, not even. Not even two years ago. Like a year and a half ago we were at Alcatraz. I just, I really enjoy that tour because it's at your own pace. Mm-hmm. And I just love getting to the part where they talk about the spaghetti fight in the cafeteria. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, that just... That's I don't know. Funny. I just think it's funny, but... Anyway. Um, also, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the episode. Alex Murdaugh is sentenced to basically forever, which yeah. I'm Good. very happy about. Bye. Because... I can't, first of all, I can't believe how fast the jury came back with a, an answer. They were ready. I'm like, y'all knew. You knew before even going into that room. They said that there yeah. were three holdouts, I believe, and it only took an hour of talking to them to convince them that he was guilty, so. Right. I don't think it took that much convincing. If you, I mean, there's so much, there's just way too many things going on with that family for it to be, for it not to be that. I'm sorry. Like, I. Well. It, did you watch the That's HBO a, special on him? I watched a few different ones. I don't think I watched the HBO one, but I watched uh, one on, I think, Dateline. I watched one on 2020. Like, they're, it's just all over the place right now. 2020 just released a new episode about it. They have a couple of other ones from before he went to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then HBO just released, like, a three-part series on it. Which I liked because they played more of the 911 call from the boating accident. Um, and, like, stuff that you don't normally hear on 2020 because 2020 has to be censored because that goes on to national television. Right. Um, but I did find it really interesting. And it's just the timeline evidence. Like, why did you spend two years lying to everybody about right. your whereabouts, and then at the trial, you're like, yep, I lied, I was there. That doesn't make it okay. Now we all right. just think you're a liar. If you can right. lie about that, you can lie about killing them. It, yeah, it's just extremely convoluted that coming from, like, them being a family that has, like, money and power and stuff, it just goes to show that, like, you think you can get away with everything. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I wish we had the guns. But the amount of property he has and the amount of connections he has, like, it doesn't surprise me that the guns are missing. 
No, and how, like, his friends and family were just there in the house while the police were searching. Like, hello, and then what about the housekeeper? And then what about the other kid that was, um, the younger ki- kid that was oh, killed? Oh, yeah. What like, was his name? Smith? Stephen Smith, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's just, there's just too much. Because it's like... So he, he is where he needs to be. I'll say it, that. Like, with the Stephen Smith case, it's like, why did they need to put their noses in that if they weren't involved? Right. Unless that was just Alex's way of, like, getting money, like, from a settlement or something. But still, yeah. like, I don't, I don't know. There's just, yeah, and then the housekeeper thing was really weird. But the thing is, is that the HBO one really paints Paul and Maggie in a negative light, which I didn't really like. Mm. I understand that they probably did some things that they're not proud of as well, but they are also victims here, and I think they could have right. been more sensitive about it. But, like, the one lady was straight up just like, oh, yeah, Maggie got in the back of my car and was trying to convince me of something, like, I don't know. It was just stupid. And it was just like, okay, but she's also dead. Right. Like, can we have a little bit of respect here? So yeah, I get that. I'll have to. I'll have to watch that one. But, I mean, he's not done going to court. He has to go to court for all the fraud that he took part That's in. That's exactly why it's, like, so he's sentenced to life for this. But even if somehow, by the grace of whatever, he gets off, like, he's still going to be in jail for a really long time for all of the other corrupt shit that he did. Well, even one of his brothers came out and was just, like, he knows more than he's saying. Yeah. And I'm, like, I don't, I don't get it. And I just, I feel bad for Buster because it's, like, his family's gone. His entire family is gone. Yeah, that is really sad. Like, that that sucks. And he, now, what's going to happen to him? Because he has no structure. Like, right. Well, and he's engaged, I think. Go to therapy, Buster. Yeah, I really hope he is, like, in therapy. Because he, he definitely, it's not that he needs it, but I think it would do nothing but benefit him in the long run. Right. I mean, I'll say it. I think everyone needs therapy, but that's just me. Well, yeah, there's so much that we don't talk about, like, to people. Yeah. And, like, you'll maybe you'll talk to, like, your spouse or your partner about it, but then you need another It's like talking, talking to someone that's not, like, a professional in that field. Like, yeah, that you guys can spitball and bounce ideas off each other, and they can validate you and comfort you and that sort of thing. But talking to someone that really knows what they're doing is super beneficial. I just had therapy last night, so. Like, she knows what she's really talking good, about. I'm in a really good place <laughs> right now. Well, anyway, that was um, my case of the Virginia Tech shooting or the Virginia Tech massacre, whatever you know it as. Um, so with that, thank you all for listening. Don't forget that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SentencePod. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sentence pod and you can email us at sentencepod at gmail.com. Yes, that and, is all correct. And eventually uh, on YouTube where you get to see us and my cute double chins with this angle of this camera. I'm just going to wear turtlenecks forever. <laughs> you know what? It's better to have two chins than two personalities. I just saw a little video of a little kid saying that, and I was like, that's so true. I almost sent it to you, and I was like, no, I'm going to say it in person. Well, this is the closest to in-person we get. For now. By the way. Well, I'm sure. By the way, your birthday was almost a year ago, which means. I know. That whole. Which means it'll, it's almost my birthday again. 
That, and it was already almost a year ago since we went on that little, um, that little true crime adventure thing that we did. Oh, the clued up game. Yeah, which we never used our free. No, it expired. Bitch. Yeah, I know. I wanted to do it. I know. They had an Alice in Wonderland one. We'll have, well, I'm sure that we can get a free one if I, like, email them. I'm sure that they'll give us a free one because I don't think anyone. We suck at scheduling. Can we get a free one? (laughs) Here's our outfits for reference in case you don't remember we won Best Dressed. And we had a really cute dog dressed as the butler. (laughs) Yes, that was so fun. It was a lot of fun, even though I had a roaring sinus infection and. Oh, man. I don't know if it was pink eye or not because nobody else got it. But now you're more, I guess, acclimated to coming up to the mountains since you've... I mean, you've only been up, what, once since then? Twice. Twice. Okay, so you've been up twice. So now, hopefully, you won't get altitude sickness. Not that that's necessarily what it was, but I think if we blame it on altitude sickness, like, we can set ourselves up for success for you coming back. Well, what was annoying is... Well, I thought it was COVID, which it wasn't because I tested right before I went. Right. Um, so it ended up just being a sinus infection. And then when we went back for Robert's birthday, we got freaking Rona. Oh. So then I was off for a whole week with Rona yeah. at home. But then, thankfully, when we went in November, um, nothing happened. Like, I didn't get sick. But last right. summer, I got, like, the flu or COVID four times. Yeah. It and sucks. I will say, if you are needing to, like, take some time off work and just you have the immune system to get sick. I think a casino is a really good place to go. Um, there's tons of germs there. It's, you'll yeah. have a hard time breathing. <laughs> and um, that was the thing too, is like Robert was sniffling at the casino. So I'm pretty sure we got sick before then. And then the oh. casino just escalated it. Cause he was sniffling like the day we got there and cigarette smoke doesn't bother him. He used to be a smoker and like when we go to casinos, he'll have, like, a couple of cigarettes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was really weird that he was sniffling. But then, of course, I get it. And I'm, like, way more sick than he was. Yeah. Because that's just of usually course. how it is. How it goes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll stop rambling. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and have a great rest of your day or a great evening or a great morning or a great whatever. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.